0: What's going on at 1130? How you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us. Can you guys help me give a big welcome to everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location that's with us this morning, man? We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today. As we're diving into week two of a series we're calling This Is Home. Before we get into today's message, I have two things for you guys. The first thing is this, particularly for this service, because if you've noticed, uh, as as we're getting later into summer and and we still have a lot of people on vacation and and, and people coming back from vacations, our services are filling back up again to the point where there's not a lot of room for other people. So starting on the weekend of August 7th, we're actually adding a 1245 service to our location here here in Parkland, so we're gonna have five services for you to be able to attend, uh, which is great, which which means for some of you guys here at the 1130 service, I, I need you to take one for the team and and choose uh, maybe like a Saturday night service, uh, a 9 a.m. Sunday morning service, or possibly move to our 1245 service for all of our Portuguese speaking friends. We're gonna have a 1245, we're gonna have a Portuguese translation. So all the Brazilians out there, you can come later. I know you like later things. You never show up on time anyways. So you might as well just come. I, I, that's not hating, I'm just being honest with y'all. If we say if we say 11:30 you show up at 12:30 it's cool if this is a barbecue so so just think about it like that but if you can help us out by creating some space for for like there's going to be new people coming to church Come fall. And so we want to create space for them. So help us out. Help us help you by creating a more more breathable environment where you don't have to be so close to your neighbor. Okay? Uh, Second thing is this, is that starting on August 1st we're doing 21 days of prayer. I know that we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in the beginning of the year but I thought it would be important for us if we're really, it is our goal to be the healthiest church in South Florida it means that we have to be the healthiest individuals in South Florida. Because combined, we make up the church. And so so with that, I've also said that the things that you're dealing with this year in your life, it's way more spiritual than you realize. And so what if instead of tackling the problem from a physical realm, we decided to tackle it from a spiritual realm. And so we wanted to create an environment for you to be able to do that. And so starting on August 1st through the 21st, we're going to do 21 days of prayer. It's going to be both at Lighthouse Point and here in Parkland. I want to encourage you to participate and watch and see how God does some things in, in your spiritual realm then then transfers to the natural realm in your life. And I promise you, it will grow your relationship with God, which is what we want for your life. Now, everybody say today. today. Come on, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say today. today. Today, we're diving into week two of a series we're calling This Is Home. And really, what I want to do as your pastor is I wanted to take some time to get us to refocus a little bit. Because every couple of years, I think it's important for us to kind of refocus reframe about who we are and why we do what we do as a church because there's a lot of people that maybe you're new to Coastal or this is maybe your first time. If it is, I want to let you know that you picked a great weekend to be at church or the, the great couple of weeks because you're going to hear about who we are and what we're all about. And we started last weekend by talking about our mission as a church. And it, it, it comes from a statement that we've had from day one, and it's simply this. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That is the essence of who we are as a church. We want to make it hard for people that are out there that are going to hell. That isn't just like some fairy tale place. We believe it's a literal place that there is eternal damnation for people that do not experience a relationship with God. We want to make it hard for them to end up in that destination by making it easy for them to come to church where they can experience a living, breathing God that wants to impact their lives in a real and relevant way on a daily basis and so we're passionate about that and 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 with that there are some statements that they kind of create the strategy behind why we do what we do and our strategy to make that happen is simply this we believe that everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible Like, it isn't just a a picture spot in our foyer. It's not just some cool phrase that we throw out there. It is actually our our strategy of how we are going to reach people. It it is derived out of a scripture in Matthew chapter 9. And it's a a story, and it's really illustrated here. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth follow me, we talked about following Jesus last week, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, what you have to understand about the context is is that Matthew was a tax collector, and in that day, in that time, tax collectors were some of the most hated individuals on the face of the planet. The reason they were so hated is, is because they were Jews who had decided that they were going to abandon their people, the Jewish people, and they were actually going to work for the Roman Empire. And not only were they going to ro- work for the Roman Empire, but a lot of them enriched themselves by lying and cheating and stealing their way to prestigious places and spaces in life, and so So when Jesus says, follow me, it's a big deal. It's an invitation, and it's an invitation to follow Jesus that isn't just extended to Matthew. It's actually extended to everyone. Like, Jesus doesn't say, like, listen, Matthew, if you stop doing this and you stop doing that, then you have an invitation to follow me. See, the invitation to follow Jesus is a formal invitation. What Jesus is saying to Matthew is he's saying, hey, I want you to be a part of my community. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of everything that I do. Matthew, come follow me. And the interesting thing about this is this is very, very different than how the first century church operated at that time. See, at that time, there was a mindset, if you were a religious person, which Jesus was in that day, he was considered a rabbi, that if you were a religious person, here was how you approach people. Hey, change and you can join us. So like, listen, when you get all of your ducks in a row, when you figure out that mess that you've made yourself in and you get yourself out of it, when you make all the changes that are necessary, then you can now be a part of what is going on. And maybe there's some of you out there today that that has been your church experience. Maybe that's been your religious experience. Like when you put your life together and you got everything going well for you, then you can be a part of this community. And Jesus comes in and he totally flips the script and he does something completely different. He goes, hey, listen, join us and you'll change. He says, listen, come come with all of your doubts, come with all of your fears, come with all of your questions, come with all the patterns of sin that are already present in your life. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, just like when you enter into a relationship, over time, things just naturally change. Like, isn't it true in our relationships? You get in a relationship with somebody, and they, and they like certain things. Over time, as you're in a relationship with, with them, you tend to like those things as well. When you're in a relationship with somebody that you love, the things that they love become things that you love just naturally through the relational progress. Like, I, I learned this in my life. When I got married to Shayla, I did not like shopping. Shayla loved shopping. Over time, I have come to love shopping. Why? Because somebody I loved, I was in relationship with. Over time, what they loved became my love. And here's what happens. When you get into a relationship with Jesus, Jesus changes things in your life. Continuing on in verse 10, it says, Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. We're not talking like one or two. It says that there were a whole bunch of them. And I love this other line. And other disreputable sinners. Like, like, like they're just not just sinners. They're like disreputable sinners. So like it's, it's like, Jason, you're just a sinner, but Nicole... Nicole, you're disreputable. Like, you're a whole other level. Like, some of y'all, you're just a sinner, and then some of y'all are like a whole other level of sinning. You're a disreputable sinner. Come on, somebody. Some people are identifying themselves by raising their hand. Don't do that. It's not helping the reputation there. It says, but when the Pharisees saw this, so the Pharisees, they're they're checking out what's going on. When they see this, all, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, disciples, we got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And it says, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And you have to imagine being in the disciples' shoes, because this is probably their worst nightmare. Like, Jesus extends this invitation to Matthew, and they know everybody's looking. And in that moment, they're probably thinking to themselves, Jesus, do you understand what you're doing? Like, do you know who this is? Like, do you know what people are going to say about, like, you're inviting him to be a part of our community, you're inviting him to travel with us, you're inviting him into our space, like, Jesus, what are people going to think, and what are people going to say about you when they find out that he's with us? And Jesus is like, it's okay, guys, I know what they're going to say. But it gets even worse because he's not just gonna hang out with us. We're gonna go over to his house. And they're like, What? Like, we're gonna go to his house? What if his friends are there? They're like, Jesus, like, they're going to be. It's gonna be a lot of them. And all of a sudden, the disciples, they're just up in arms about this situation. Because the very thing that they feared in life is happening. And and now the religious leaders are hot on Jesus' trail. And the disciples don't understand why Jesus would surround himself with these kinds of people. And I think it's interesting because as you start to study scripture, what you see over and over and over again is that Jesus is unbelievably comfortable with people that are nothing like him. And the people that are nothing like Jesus really like being around Jesus. Like, I don't know what it was, but Jesus was so comfortable with who he was and what he had been called to do that it didn't bother him to be in the same room as people that were nothing like him, that had completely different morals, that had completely different values in life. He was comfortable with that kind of tension. And maybe you're here today and... And you have some patterns of sin in your life. And maybe you don't feel real comfortable when you're in church. Or, or maybe when you think you're here. And, and you don't think that we're comfortable with you. Because you're like, like, if they knew who I really was. If they knew what I did. Or maybe you're like, I know they know who I am. And I know they know what i did let me just tell you something that's our problem to deal with that's our problem because jesus was totally comfortable with people that were nothing like him it's not jesus's problem That's our problem as broken humanity. In fact, I never noticed this until a few years ago. There was a strategy that Jesus had in forming community that is way different than the strategy you and I have for forming community. Like, Jesus intentionally created a community with tension in it. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when you think about the people that Jesus surrounded himself with, they were nothing alike. You had fishermen. You had tax collectors. You had doctors. You had business people. You had people from all different scopes of life. You, you had, you had woman, women women that, le- that were caught in adultery. You, you had all kinds of people. They had different values. They had different thought processes. And if you've ever been in a community where there's that much difference, there's a whole lot of love in that community, and there's going to be a whole lot of tension in that community as well. And at times, somebody's going to do something, or they're going to say something, and people are going to be like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Or they're going to believe a certain way, or they're going to have a different view on politics than you, or they're going to have a different view on Jesus. And sometimes in those communities, there is some tension that is there. And Jesus purposely created community where there was tension. Now, I think this is important because we want to do the same thing as a church. Now, I don't think the church always has to be full of tension, but, but if we want to follow the same strategy that Jesus had, there will be some tension here. In fact, I, I would say that there's going to be so much tension here at times that some of you will not stick around here at Coastal. Like, the tension will be too much, and you'll be like, man, I just can't handle this. And that's okay, because we've said for a long time, we're not the only church. We're not the best church. Like, there are phenomenal churches all around South Florida that you can be a part of. And and Coastal isn't for everybody, but we want to create communities where there is some tension. Like, I'm selling Coastal really well right now, aren't I? <laughs> like, everybody's like, sign me up. Like, I'm in. So... Let me say it like this. If you're looking for a community where everybody dresses exactly like you, thinks exactly like you, has the same political beliefs as you, believes exactly like you, the same race as you, acts exactly like you, then probably long-term, this is not going to be a great place for you. Because we've been about creating a place where people can belong before they can ever believe. And I think that's important for you to hear. Like, we want this to be a place where you can belong before you ever believe. And when you intentionally create environments where people think different and they act different and they understand different, but on all of that, there is an invitation from Jesus to follow him that is open to everyone. And because that is like that, we believe that ministry is going to be messy. And we try, and the key word here is try, To create a community the same way that Jesus did. And so here is our strategy. Number one, we declare that everyone's welcome. Because the first thing that Jesus did to create community that had some tension in it is he declared everyone is welcome. And, And if you look at his life, you look at his ministry, there's one commonality in it all. It's always about people. All people, Jews, Gentiles, Romans, adulterers, lepers, the broken, the hurting, the lost, the destitute, the rich, the poor, it didn't matter. They were all welcome. And listen, his disciples, they didn't get it most of the time. And, And I think at moments they were even embarrassed by the things that Jesus would do so much so that they were embarrassed right here in this story that we're talking about with Matthew. They don't know how to answer all the questions that people are gonna have. They, they don't know how to answer, why is this person allowed in? Why did you confront this person on their sin? And why did you ignore this person on their sin? Like, what's the deal with the tension that's here? But Jesus was okay with that tension in the context of community, and he did it over and over and over again. And when you declare that everyone's welcome, It changes things. Like, now let me say it like this. Everyone's welcome is not applauding everything that people do. It's important for us to know. There is a difference between everything's welcomed and everything is affirmed. Like, everyone, every single man, woman, and child is welcome. Not everything that people do is affirmed in the church. It's important for us to understand it like this. I I wrote it down like this. Community is at its best when it embraces both grace and truth. And this is tricky. And the reason it's tricky is because Jesus was the only one on this earth that ever both embraced grace and truth perfectly. Because we're imperfect. We don't embrace grace and truth perfectly. We kind of have a skewed view of grace and truth. And so we err on one side of grace or one side of truth based on the relational equity we have with somebody else. So if we're in a great relationship with somebody, you know what we naturally do? We naturally extend them more grace than they probably should get. And at the same point, if we don't have a great relationship with somebody, you know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to err more on the side of Truth. But here's what I've learned. In any community that doesn't have both grace and truth can never be a community that is fully loving like the way that Jesus was. So the perfect example of this is John chapter 8. It's the story of the woman who is caught in adultery. She is brought before Jesus and she's thrown down. And the religious leaders of the day, what do they say? They say, hey, according to the law of Moses, Jesus, this woman is to be stoned. What do you say we do? And Jesus' response in that moment is he bends down in the sand and begins to write. And after a period of time writing, he says to them, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says that one by one they left. Like, why did they leave one by one? Because I think when Jesus stooped down in the sand, he's like, you slept with Sarah. And the first dude is like, yep, that's me. And he had to leave. And like, you cussed out your wife. The other dude was like, one by one. He just called them out on their sin, right? Because it's easy to throw stones at people that is very visible. It's, It's hard to throw stones at your hidden sin. And here's what I know about every one of us. We have hidden sin. And so one by one, they left till there was no one left but Jesus and this woman. And this woman is completely different than Jesus. You have the perfection of God, and you have a woman caught in adultery. Jesus was comfortable with people that were nothing like him. And he says to her, where are your accusers? And she responds, there are none. And what does Jesus say? He says, neither do I condemn you grace yeah. and she's like you don't condemn me do you know what i just did like she isn't even denying what's going on in her life and jesus is like no i don't condemn you but he doesn't just leave it at that he, he adds a little bit to it he says now go and sin no more that's the truth part The grace part is, hey, I don't condemn you. The truth part was, go and sin no more. Now, why would Jesus say that? He's already said, I don't condemn you. Like, I, I, I'm not going to hold you responsible for this. But why the last thing? Like, for so long, I thought it was a dig that Jesus said, like, neither do I condemn you. So he's fully loving in that moment. And then he says, go and sin no more. Why? Because Jesus knows in our life that there is a sting to sin. Come on, mass confessional. We're going to do Catholic church here right now at Coast. So, if anybody in this room has ever felt the sting of sin, go ahead and raise your hand right now. Go ahead and raise your hand. Like, some of y'all need to raise your hand and your legs, like, <laughs> right? Because we, we've felt the sting of sin. And some sin stings more than other sin. But I felt it sting. So, Jesus is saying to her, like, like listen, I don't condemn you, grace. But you need to know that sin has a sting and you were made for so much more than what you're settling for. See, it's perfectly balancing grace and truth. So everyone's welcome is not the same thing as everything is approved, but what Jesus models for us in community is that there is no room for judging, there is no room for excluding, there is no room for turning our back on people, there's no room for reducing people down to a label of you're not healthy, you're not normal, you're not spiritual, because the implication in that moment is is you're not, but I am, right? Right? Like, you're not all there, but I'm all there. And Jesus goes, man, there's no room for that. And I just wonder, like, and I dream about, could there be a Jesus community that is so relentless in his love here in South Florida that people who gave up on church a long time ago, people who thought that they would never be caught in the same room with people that are different racially and ethically and culturally and economically and morally and generationally, people like that could say, I might not believe everything that the church says but I think it might be a safe place to explore this invitation that Jesus gives to everyone that says everyone's welcome like could that actually happen here and it starts with this idea that everyone's welcome and initially we love the idea that everyone's welcome until everybody starts being welcomed you know what I'm saying? Until like that, everyone that you don't really like comes into the environment. And so what you got to know in advance is that it makes things really, really messy and complicated. And at times, there's going to be some tension around here. And you, don't, you won't necessarily know what to do with that tension. But you got to remember that we're trying to create a place where people can explore what it means to have a relationship with jesus and so we declare that everyone's welcome number two we confess that nobody's perfect and i love that jesus created a community where they could just confess that i'm not perfect and i dream of that place and and coastal's not it yet i'm not it but I want to get to a place where there's no hiding, where there's no pretense, where there's, there's no reputation building, where there's no need to impress other people because we all realize that we're sinners saved by the incredible grace of our God. What will happen is, is we'll begin to understand where the starting point to this relationship with Jesus is. And honestly, it isn't where most of us think it is. Most of us think that our our starting point in our relationship with Jesus is is I've got to do better. Like I've got to do more. I've got to to read more. I've got to pray more. I've got to serve more. I've got to give more. And it's more, 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 more. And all those things play a role in your relationship with Jesus, but it's not the starting point in your relationship. The starting point is way more simpler than that. And it's actually way more humbling than that. The starting point is a simple confession that simply says I'm a mess and I need God. See, what I know is that I'm a mess, and I need God. And here's what I also know. You're a mess, and you need God. And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask you guys to say this with me. One, two, three. I'm a mess, and I need God. It's a good confession right there. Like, I'm a mess, and I need God. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys, I already know you're a mess, so you don't need to to confess, like, you, uh, but I don't know how many of you guys have ever been to an AA meeting or an NA meeting or, or some sort of meeting a lot around that kind of uh, addiction aspect of life, but there's something really interesting. When you encounter one of those meetings, because you walk into a room and you'll just see a variety of people from all walks of life that you would typically never see together. Like they, it's just, it's just, it's like jambalaya for people in that room. And and, and in the book, big book, chapter two, it it actually says something really cool. It says, We are a people who normally would not mix. There exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. We are like passengers of a great. Great liner, the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. I, I, I love this quote. I love the idea that we are a people that would not normally mix. Like the church is a people that would not normally mix, but we have realized that we were shipwrecked in life and we've got a ship that has come and has rescued us and his name is Jesus and we are now joyous and we are overwhelmed. And we are on fire because we're not, while we may be different, that we are all united together because we've realized that I'm a mess. And I need God. Like, you're a mess. And you need God. And the, the early church, they figured this out really quick. Paul says it like this in Galatians. He says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Christ. Now, when he says that, you, you think to yourself, no, 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 Paul, they're looking around. They can see that there's a slave, there's a free person. Shayla's definitely a girl, and you're a guy. No, nope, no, nope, that's a Jew, that's a Gentile. Like, they can see all the differences. He said, no, 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 no. no. See, but what they did is they came together and they united under one banner Jesus. They united under one thing, that I'm a mess, and I need God. Because here's the truth of the matter. If I'm left on my own, I will always go to serve myself instead of other people. Here's what I know about you. Left on your own, you'll always go to serve yourself instead of other people. You'll make idols out of success and reputation and acceptance. You'll use all kinds of things to medicate your pain and your frustration, your hurt. Greed will fill your heart and guilt will fill your mind and ego will rule your life. And as a church, we're a group of people that do not necessarily mix from the outside and what unites us together is that we are a mess and we need God. So here's the deal. If you're a mess Welcome home. If you're not a mess, stick around here long enough and we'll help show you your mess. (laughs) Because here's what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. Like the only fool in here is you. And you're not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, if if we realize that I'm a mess and I need God... Here's what he says. He says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here's what he does. He cleanses us from all wickedness. It's one of the reasons why we're doing baptism weekend this weekend. It's it's an opportunity for us to not just internally say I'm a mess and I need God, but publicly say it. Say that the, the old mess that I created with my life, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that into the waters of baptism. I'm going to let God wash that away from my life. And I'm going to make a public declaration that I'm a mess and I need God. And he's the only way that can save me and transform me and heal me and change me and, and, and do all the things that he needs to do. And so we declare that everyone's welcome. And we confess that nobody's perfect. And number three, we believe that anything is possible. This is the part that I love. This is the part that I love about our church because in a Jesus community, you just never know. You just never know when somebody has an encounter with God, how it's going to change them from the inside out, how it's going to break the addictions, how it's going to remove the strongholds, how it's going to cause them to love, how it's going to cause them to change, and not just change them, but possibly change the world. And this is why I'm addicted to what I do. It's what I absolutely love. It is the life change aspect. It's what I love about the story of Matthew. It's about the transformation that's taking place. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a sellout. And then he's in a relationship with God. And now everything is changing. The love of Jesus is breaking down the walls. And the truth of Jesus is helping him to come to grips with his reality. And the grace of Jesus is giving him second and third and fourth and fifth chances. That's what I love about Jesus, as you look at his life, he was constantly giving people a second chance, a third chance, a 475th chance. I think that as the church of Jesus Christ, we should be handing out chances like it's candy. I, I believe that with all of my heart because here's what I know about God. Following Jesus compels us to see people not for who they are today, but who they could become tomorrow. And that's what this church is all about. It's what we want to do. We don't want to see you for who you are today. We want to know about who you can become tomorrow. And we're not going to look at you just based on your circumstances today. We're going to look at you based on the circumstances of Jesus coming to your life and changing everything today and tomorrow. In fact, it's about this time 13 years ago. Then my wife and I, we had moved here and we had decided that we were going to start this church called Coastal Community Church. And so we had to get the word out that we're this new church. And so we gathered a a handful of 18 to 22-year-olds and a couple 30-year-olds because they were the only people that would listen to us at that time. 30 years old and not a lot of credibility here in life at 30. And what we would do is, is we had offices on the corner of 441 and Wiles Road. And so on Saturdays, what we do is we go to Sam's Club and we buy pallets of water bottles of water, and we, we'd bring them back to our offices, and we had these huge garbage cans. We'd fill up the garbage cans with water and ice, and we'd walk out to the corner of 441 and Wiles, right where there's about a 100,000 people that drive by every single day. And when traffic would stop at a red light, we'd run out into the intersections, and we'd hand out free bottles of water. We'd say, free water, free water, free water. People would roll down their window. They'd be like, there's nothing free in life. We'd be like, this is free. And there's also something else that's free, and we hand them an invite card to church and say, you got to come to church. To find out the other free thing, we thought we were super creative. (laughs) And so we were out there one Saturday, and uh, I I was standing on the the northwest corner of of Wiles and 441. And a, a guy pulls up in this turn lane as I'm getting ready to run out into the road to hand out some free bottles of water. And he says, Hey, are you the pastor of that church? I said, Yes, sir. I thought, Man, this is gonna be a great conversation. He's like, I want to talk to you. I'm like, let's do it. I was like, pull over in this, this Walgreens parking lot, and we'll talk. And I walk over to this guy's car, and, and I said, sir, what can I do for you? He's like, hey, you see that guy over there on the, all the way across the, 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 the intersection? He just cussed me out. It's like not the first impression I was trying to give for our church. Not a lot of people come to Jesus because somebody cussed them out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, And so I, I, I apologize profusely to this guy probably never came to church, and I remember walking back, and Shayla's like, what was that all about? And I was like, uh, apparently that guy over there that's new to our team, he just cussed somebody out. Again, we, like, we, we take anybody, you got a pulse, you're on the team. Like that's, like, that's the state of our church at that time. She's like, well, you better go talk to him. I was like, I know, and so I had to, I had to cross an intersection, then I had to cross another intersection. And when I got over there, I walked up to this guy. His name was Mark. I said, hey, Mark, did you just cuss somebody out, handing them free water? He goes, they had it coming to them. <laughs> Again, not the response that I was looking for in that moment. It's one of those pastoral moments, right? And here's the deal. In that moment, most churches would have gone, Mark, you're, you're, you're out. Like, you're, you're not up to the standard. Of what we're looking for, like you didn't—you didn't meet the criteria. You can't—you can't go to an outreach to help invite people to church and cuss people out. That is not an invitation. That's a rejection. Okay. Maybe I didn't explain myself real well. I'm gonna I'm take that one on me first because I wasn't—I didn't bring enough clarity to this conversation. But I remember in that moment going, you know what? This isn't about who Mark is today, it's about who Mark could be. I remember pulling him off to the side and just going, Mark, what's going on in your life? He started sharing with me some of the difficulties he had been going through, some of the pain that he was experiencing. I remember some tears coming down his face and us praying there together. And then I did the most pastoral thing I could in that moment. I invited him to be a part of our worship team. Because he could play the guitar and we had nobody else that could. (laughs) Why? Because we let people belong before they truly, fully, completely believe. And that might break some some theology that you have but I also knew that how mark was acting in that moment is not the way that God saw mark and 13 years later mark this weekend will be serving at our lighthouse point location in our hub where people go to give their lives to Jesus every single weekend. Mark will be praying for people to be healed and marriages restored and addictions broken. Mark, throughout the week, will be leading Bible studies for people to experience, know, and follow Jesus. Why? Because we didn't see him where he was. We saw him in his future of who he could be because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we don't believe that where you are today is who you're going to be, where you're going to be tomorrow. here's what I know the greatest desire of every person on the planet is to be fully known and fully loved but here's what I also know most of us think that if I'm fully known that there's no way I would ever be fully loved And I want you to know that there is a God that fully knows every single thing about you the good, the bad, the ugly. And in spite of all of those things, He fully loves you. In fact, He loved you so much that He saw into the future and saw how broken and messed up you would be. And He said, You know what? I'll give the ultimate gift to show my love through his son Jesus that came to this earth and lived the perfect life the life that you and I could not attain and died a sinner's death the death that you and I deserved so that we could have a life and we could have it more abundantly and what he's asked us to do is he's asked you and I to be dealers of that hope This church, this community, it's going to have some tension. It's going to have some issues. And we're okay with that. Because this community is for a community where everyone's welcome. Because not a single person is perfect. But we serve a God where anything is possible. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Maybe you're out there today and as you're listening to this message, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, don't, I, I know about, a lot about rules and I know a lot about religion. I know that most places have always, or my perception has always been that if I change, then I'll be accepted. I want you to know that Jesus says, come as you are, with your hurt, with your pain, with your shame, with your insecurities, with your failures, with your anxiety, with your fear, like he's not afraid of any of those things. In fact, he says, come to me and I will give you. He'll give you something that you've been longing for all of your life. He'll give you rest. Why can you have rest? Because you can have peace. Knowing that there is a God that wants to know you personally. That wants to know you intimately. Maybe today, for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to surrender your will and your way and go, you know what, I I need a relationship with a God like that who created me and knew me and still wants to know me in spite of all of it. That doesn't just see you for who you are today, but who you could become tomorrow. and wants to help you become that man or that woman or that student that he's called you to be. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. The Bible actually says that if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that what he did on the cross of Calvary is true and it's real, then we can be saved. Then we can begin a personal and intimate relationship with him. And maybe you need to do that for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're in Lighthouse Point, watching online, or right here in Parkland, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray. A prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Yes, I see you back there too. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Three. Yes, or four. Thank you. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment here. Back there, five. Thank you. Anybody else? If you'll pray this in your heart as I pray it, I'll say, God, thank you. For meeting me in the middle of my mess. And today I I confess before you. I'm a mess. And I need you. Thank you for giving the ultimate gift of your son. To come to this earth. And die a sinner's death. The death that I deserve. I ask you to forgive me of my past. Change my present. And secure my future. I confess that you're not only my savior. But you're my Lord. Come into my heart. Take over my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And be an ambassador of hope to every person that I encounter in life. Jesus, I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.